Well, welcome to Podcast Tips with Rob Greenlee. Um, this is the, the live show. My name is Rob Greenlee, and we're in episode seven tonight. And so definitely stay with us. We have a legend on the podcast or on the, the live stream tonight uh, on that came out of the podcast world in the early days of podcasting with video and has really expanded her career into live streaming. Uh, and she's going to join us here in a minute on the stream. And her name is Gloria Petrucci. And we're both podcast Hall of Famers. Um, so it, having us all on one show together is really exciting. I haven't spoken to Gloria in quite a few years, actually, since uh, she was inducted into the Hall of Fame. And um, we're going to be taking your questions. So jump into the chat and let, let us know your your questions. If you have any comments, you know, it's all open. And um, we're going to talk about the hot trends in audio and video podcasting coming in 2024. And, uh, you know, can you grow a show faster with both audio and video? Or is it better to just do one or the other? And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. And I think Lori is a terrific one to counterbalance my my audio dominance in my background so and um it and we're also going to see are we going to see a reset in learnings on how to create content with ai and that in combination with audio and video ai is going to have an impact so i'm hoping i can talk to Lori about that too and branded content versus advertising supported content is going to be talked about tonight too so uh and we really enjoy growing this live community that, that we have around this show i'm only in episode seven and so we're still starting and growing really early in this process but i wanted to also mention um that i'm going to have a giveaway at the end of the show so just go into the comment field and type in um hashtag the yard and that will enter you into the the drawing to win a a StreamYard mug and a hoodie from StreamYard here, which is what, what I'm wearing here. So you can stay warm in the winter here. So, so anyway, um, so let me pull up uh, Aloria here, and uh, she can join me on stage. Aloria, thank you so oh much goodness. for joining me. It's Rob, it's... to have you. It's so great to finally chat with you again and be around you. I mean, we'd go way, way, way back. So thank you yeah. so much for inviting me on here. I loved um, being able to, you know, support the StreamYard audience and yep. be here again because it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, I know that you've done some. I think you um, joined a session with uh, um, Melanie, I believe, at one point. Yeah. It was yeah. on your, your channel, I think. And yeah, so, Melanie and I have done a lot of stuff together, yeah, both on StreamYard I, and on my channel. And, uh, you know, I, I love the team from StreamYard yeah. as well. So we've, we've done a lot together. Yeah, and I wanted to j just mention to the audience, if you're not familiar with Loria, she's kind of like the, the leading light at uh, LiveStreamingPros.com. And I will pull that up on the screen here so you can see that. And I, I will also pull that up um, so you can see her her website here. Did you say and leading light? Because Rob, did I would you know say that, so. Yes. Did the, you know what that the, my name means? Light. Oh well, that's awesome. That's even better. I'm glad I. <laughs> I was wondering if that was like spontaneously planned. thought about that. But um, that's awesome. 
Yeah, so you've been working in, in video uh, and video podcasting since 2005, doing, yeah. doing some amazing content in the early days of this medium as a show host and a creator and really started doing live streams, I guess, back in 2007. Is that right? That that was like the early days of even YouTube. <laughs> back yeah. yeah. When I first started, YouTube wasn't even a thing um, or just barely a baby, right? And it was um, all iTunes at that point where I grew yeah. my original audience. And then I moved over to YouTube. Um, but yeah, I had, you know, over 10 years, I had built up an audience of 2 million, um, you know, subscribers. And yeah. that was, you know, I, I loved the the early days because it was so different and it was so unique and I was hand coding my RSS feeds, you know, to yes, put this well, podcast I, out there. <laughs> I did the same thing. So I'm, I'm right up there with you on that, but uh, I would love to play it. And I did, um, you know, r run this past Loria before we started the show, but it's play <laughs> one of our earlier episodes. And I think it would really be interesting for the audience to see just the uh, the energy and and the talent that that she brought to this 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 medium it, and really I think one of the big reasons why she's been as successful as she has is oh. is that recognition that you really do need to bring a lot of a lot of energy and and stuff like that and that'll just be gushing in this little clip that I'm going to play for you <laughs> um, of her on uh, here let me click play. Must have gadgets for the 4th of July, or as it's known outside the U.S., Friday. I'm Callie Lewis. Welcome to Geek Beat. This episode of Geek Beat TV is brought to you by Audible. So the 4th of July is coming up in the U.S., or as it's known in the U.K., good riddance to the Colonies Day. <laughs> and wherever you are, it means it's time for a picnic, unless you're down under where it's winter Gosh, it is hard to please everyone with such a global audience, but I love you guys. Well, we've got some. Okay, I don't want to oh play boy. too much of it. But I mean, I, <laughs> we, we can totally get sucked up into it. So it's just a matter of. And then also, I, I wanted to share what. Well, I have the the, the screen share is um, is her her website too. Um, so let's pull that up here too. So you're. You're offering services to um, companies, individuals, I would imagine. Entrepreneurs and creators. Right. Yeah. So like yeah. what you showed before, I was, I spent 10 years doing, you know, targeted, well, really gadget reviews and news. I was one of the first, you know, right. tech review channels. Um, and so I spent 10 years on general gadgets and tech. Uh, and really now what I do is focus on creators and entrepreneurs who want to build their personal brand through video and live streaming and really help them use the right tech so that they look professional. You can do fun little things like, you know, throwing um, like emojis up on screen and all kinds of things uh, that I love to do with our audience and, you know, really presenting that pro version of you right my you know that doesn't affect your personality just the visuals so that you can gate that instant credibility um and really help people understand how to engage with their audience and build up a really strong community of people who are loyal to the community and to the host and right. um build a business from that a long-term business so that's what i love helping people do yeah and that's the key to this too is that you're really building community and you're building yeah. connections with with individuals and that's absolutely that's always been the, the, the key and that 
that um, clip that I played from you from a, a series that you did um, many years ago now um, mm-hmm. really was a video podcast. And yeah. I want to, I mean, it was streamed online and you were starting to work with um, the streaming platforms as mm-hmm. well, but that was a downloadable episode off of an RSS feed through Correct. a platform back then called the name of it was a revision three. And if this audience uh, watched my last week's episode, I, I had, um, the CEO of a revision three on, on my show, Jim Lauterbach. Jim, Jim you had Jim. Yeah. I missed yeah. it. Oh, I have to go back and watch that. <laughs> yep. So we, we were talking about those early days of the, yeah. of the medium and, and how what we're seeing today is kind of like a return to some degree of what was really growing and developing back then. Um, really, it was, it's, it's really ironic, and I'm not sure why yeah. you think that's happening. Well, you know, here's the thing, is I think that if we, because I'm coming up in two weeks on my 18th year of doing video, which is insane. You can see my gray hair. I'm calling myself old. Let's just get it out of the way. Um, But, you know, over 18 years, I've been able to really spot patterns through the video industry and the online world that we live in. And while a lot has changed, a lot has gotten easier for creators to create, um, a lot has changed in negative and positive ways, the truth is it all cycles. Just like anything in life, this stuff is cycling. And so it's really interesting to see. Back when we we got started, Mm -hmm. um, there wasn't video or audio. I mean, there was, but it was all under the umbrella of podcasting. Right. And that's why I'm in the Podcast Hall of Fame, because we had video and audio versions, and Mm -hmm. it was all under the same umbrella of the same tech, Um, you know, back background and, and, and how it was delivered. Then podcasting made a big switch to audio only, and everybody really called podcasting as if it was just the audio delivery format. Right. Um, and now, as YouTube has really started to embrace podcasting, uh, I think that was a big kicker in this trend of kind of getting back to the old way. Um, you know, we have seen now everybody really th- focused on video and audio podcasting again. And so whether you're just um, turning on your video camera and taking the audio, putting that on an audio podcast and putting the video out in numerous video formats, whether it's Facebook or um, YouTube uh, or, you know, Spotify even, uh, you know, you can you can have it all at this point again and still call it a podcast. Um, And so for me, that's been a really interesting trend to see it go from video and audio to audio only. And now it's back to video and audio. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad to see that happening. But I also think that there's a really interesting question here of what does podcasting even mean anymore? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I ask that question all the time myself. So I yes. Totally What's the board. definition of a podcast right. versus a video show or a live stream? Um, right. I, I think that's still in the works of being determined. Yeah, it's always been kind of this fluctuation. Um, and also, I don't know if you, you recall uh, 
Lori, in the early days of podcasting, a lot of the early podcasters didn't really like the name podcast. No, um, everybody was, really bucked against it. Yeah, well, it was really for a valid, pretty valid reason. It, it was named after a platform that we all thought would eventually disappear, uh, which was the yeah. And guess what? Exactly. It disappeared as of last year. So, so. <laughs> Did it, it finally go away? <laughs> yeah, it was the last one that Apple actually made. I think it was the the, the small little mini or something like that. that the Nano? The Nano. No, the I, Nano was gone was a long time Nano. ago. But anyway, it was one of the, the kind of portable media player versions of it. And, yeah. And they, um, they, they just canceled it. And I think that, that that was the big reason why a lot of the early podcasters didn't like it. But the problem that came up is that nobody had a better name. I know. <laughs> I mean, We're like, what do we call ourselves? media, right? <laughs> no, that's that's not going to get anybody excited about this media. Yeah. It needs to be different. And so that that actually plays really well into what you're what, what really what you're saying at the bigger picture is is that we've we're seeing kind of a convergence happen again. Yeah. And that and is it, important to acknowledge it's, right now. It's very important to acknowledge it and, and really think about the identity of it instead of just going with the flow. April in the chat is saying, for me, a podcast is anything online where people are having a conversation, distributing it to a community mm -hmm. via audio and or video, which is absolutely True, well, like a conversation of the hosts, um, which brings up this really good point because, like, a conversation can happen between hosts. A conversation also happens between host and community. And back in the day, as you know, when it first started, it was actually really just a one way medium. Right? Yeah. Podcasting didn't have a lot of, depending on the platform, but really it, it was delivered on iTunes and um, through devices and Libsyn and you know things like that. It didn't really have a community conversation. And as time has evolved, especially through um, the pandemic, man, people demanded conversation with the com the hosts that they're watching of any form of content. And right. so while podcasting has traditionally been very one way, it's now evolved to the point where viewers, listeners are demanding that point of community. And I think that's huge. And I love that because community is what I'm all about. Um, right. And so I, I think that now podcasters are having to look at ways in which they can engage their audience better more consistently and in other ways than they were traditionally used to. Yeah. And if you think about it, even, even from what I'm doing right here, um, the, the whole live component, I yeah. mean, I started on live radio myself, um, mm -hmm. running all the dials and the sliders and taking the phone calls and all that kind of stuff on my live radio show. And I took it out of the radio station on a, on a cassette tape and played it into uh, <laughs> a $19 cassette player to make an MP3 file. So wow. that's how I kind of got started in all this. And so the, the whole live component uh, really kind of converges a, an energy level that you can't really replicate in a recording. Um, yeah. So and I know exactly, you know, you, you're, you're the perfect example of the energy difference, <laughs> I think, between a recording and a, and a live production. Is it, you well, know, and I think you can get the energy. It just takes a lot more work. And, and live has a natural... 
um, upswing of that energy because there's a lot of, uh, I call him Lamb, the live adrenaline monster. He's the guy in your head, you know, telling you, oh, what if you forget what you're going to say? What if, yeah. you know, things go wrong, all of that. And, and so that adrenaline <laughs> rises. And so the energy rises at right. the same time. Um, but yeah, I think that from a, from a live perspective, a lot of people now are doing live and turning that into a podcast, whether that's on YouTube, you know, clicking the podcast button on the replay or so that it goes to the podcast app or whether they're taking, stripping the audio and sending that out into audio only formats. Uh, a lot of people are, you know, just starting with that live component, mm -hmm. at least that video component and then doing what they need to to get it out distributed to yeah. the places that they want to. That unfortunately requires a little bit more work on the creator's <laughs> side. That's the part okay. That. Right. Let's go there. A lot of work. Yeah. And it's also, you know, there's opportunities now that, that are growing too as these AI platforms start yeah. to, you know, enable us to do things maybe a little more rapidly. But I think we have to treat those platforms with a lot of respect too and and realize what they're good at, maybe what they're not good at. And that's yeah. And to kind of make up for that um, by your human intuition and your cre creative energy. Um, so sure. I'm a big fan of the AI tools. I'm getting in and using them. But I also have this compelling need to human edit them. Because <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure that they're quite human yet. So, so and, and hopefully they never will be human. Right. But, but it's just a matter, you know, that intelligence might get to a point where it's pretty darn good. You know, mm -hmm. so... But can it fully reflect your values as a content creator is the bigger question, right? And and that's, I don't know if you've wrestled with that too. Well, sure. I mean, I think we're all wrestling with that concept and that, um, that question. And I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to back up here and I promise I'm going to tie it back to AI here in a second. Yeah. Remember back in the day, <laughs> since we're talking about how old we are, um, back in the day when everybody was doing the cartoon avatars on like Twitter and all the social platforms. Yep. Everybody was going cartoon, and yep. that was a big trend for two, three years, maybe yep. four. Um, and then all of a sudden, everybody dropped it because right. what did they want? They right. wanted human connection, right? right? And this right. is another up and down kind of pattern that I've seen happen over the last 18 years, which is, you know, we get interesting things like cartoon avatars or AI now, mm -hmm. and everything always will come back to human connection, human knowledge, human everything. That doesn't mean that AI doesn't have a place. It absolutely has a place. As more people use AI and things like, um, you know, connecting AI to the audio format to put it out in a video format mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, or anything else that you're doing, that human element is going to be more and more important as this AI trend continues. So while we want to dive into and use the tools that are available to us to make things more efficient, to make things more yeah. interesting, whatever your reason for that is, yeah. that's great. And always remember, humans are humans, and we want that human connection. That is yeah. how we are built at our core. Yeah. And I... I wonder if that's ever going to be really under threat, um, that, that that's going to be the case. I, I think a lot of people are fearful that there's mm -hmm. going to be 
you know, a, a change like that, that everybody's going to produce content that's, that's AI and the humans are going to be, you know, gone. I don't see that happening. I, yeah. I just don't see it happening like that. And, and I think that the, the power of it is we just don't know yet because we, mm -hmm. we, we just don't know what the capability is. But um, if we're trying to build connections with the audience, clearly the direction that we're going is around community building around human interaction and mm -hmm. human contact. And, and unless we're willing to give that up, but yeah. Cameron asked a good question here. And I think it's really, uh, do you think you get more views on an original stream? Now that would be a live stream yeah. uh, or in, in, in replay. Now, um, that's actually a really interesting question because some shows do get more engagement on live than they do in um, replay. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it depends on the show and I think it depends yeah. on how the production is done. Like this show is very interactive. You know, we have the audience engaging with it. And is it going to be as appealing to an on-demand listener? I don't know. What's your view on that? So, Again, I, I agree with you. It depends on how the host has formatted it, how the host has promoted it, what the community engagement is like. Right. Um, and so typically, generally speaking, yes, you are actually going to get way more views on a replay than a live stream. However, let's just take Emily D. Baker for an example. She's doing an incredible job with she she does um like she kind of breaks down from the legal side um you know some of the stories uh some of the popular like you know suit stories and things like that um and so she takes the pop culture and legal worlds and combines them and she has a huge audience and she gets a you know huge audience on live um i believe and i could be wrong about this, but so, but I believe that she also still gets a larger audience over the course of a replay than she gets live, right? Because that's right. the nature of it. Because yeah. there are less few, there are fewer people who can show up live. Um, but um, I think that you're always going to, you can expect that to happen. However, the retention of, of, of a live stream video watched on replay is going to be much shorter because right. it's not as engaging to a replay viewer. So you've got to really think a couple of things. While you're live, you've got to think about the intention of your live stream. Is it for podcasting purposes for a replay? Is it for education? Is it for community building where you're really connecting with the audience? A community focused live stream is not going to be as compelling to a replay audience. If you take more of an educational approach, for example, it can be structured in a way, and I have different show flows for different purposes and intentions, but it can be structured in a way that it is actually incredibly valuable on the replay. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and so you've got to really think about that. So if we're thinking about maybe you're going live um, to, you know, first and you're doing a podcast, however we're defining that, and you then want to flip that into the podcast tab on YouTube, or you want to send that audio out to I, sorry, Apple, yeah, whatever Apple. we're calling it. Sure. <laughs> um, you know, you want to redistribute that as a podcast. Uh, then you can also think about, well, how do I want to clip? What do I want to clip out of this video yeah. to then put into maybe a short form video, a VOD, um, a video on demand, meaning like a 
five to 10 minute video on YouTube or elsewhere, you know, so you can really start to think about that repurposing structure of it. But in order to do that, if you're going to start it out live, you've got to know what your purpose is after the fact in order to build it out in a structure and a run of show that's actually going to work for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually like a blank canvas. You can do pretty much anything you, you want. Anything. And, <laughs> and that's, that, that's what's complicated about it too. But the question here uh, mm-hmm. from flash in the pan is I, uh, I'm trying to drive traffic to my actual live oh. stream. So, okay. and I guess, you know, some shows like I used to work for Spreaker, a podcast hosting platform that had live um, audio on it. And many years ago when, when I worked for them, I saw shows on that platform that were that had like 6,000 viewers on their, or not viewers, but listeners on their live audio stream. Yeah. But yet the, the podcast replay on it was getting like, you know, like maybe a thousand or 1500 downloads. Hmm. So it kind of gets back to, you know, what the community is getting out of the program and it may not be fitting for an on, an on-demand replay type, type thing. And that, I wonder if that explains why some shows, now granted some shows on YouTube that are very popular, that are basically um, not necessarily live shows, but ones that are catering to a kind of a visual experience over kind of like an audio experience. If they're presenting their content in a way that's so visually enticing that people would rather watch the video than listen to the audio. What's your thoughts on that? I fully agree with that. You know, What does the audience get? You know, what we want as creators, whether we're creating a live stream, a podcast, short form content, whatever, mm-hmm. the only thing that matters is what the audience gets out of it. So what is the audience getting out of it? If you're trying to flash in your pan, drive mm-hmm. traffic to your live stream and you're not seeing traction, likely one, you don't have an audience yet. I don't know if that's the case or not. Um, that that's option one is that you just don't have enough of an audience to get some, you know, to drive that traffic there yet. Um, but also if you, if you do have some social following or anything like that, and you're not seeing results from your promotion into your live stream Mm -hmm. or videos or podcasts or anything, you're not giving the audience a reason to show up. You're not giving the audience a reason yeah. that they need to stop what they're doing. They've got kids. They've got, um, you know, work. They've got laundry to do. Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> literally, we are busy people, all of us at all times. Yeah. What is it going to take to stop your audience in, your tra- in their tracks and get them to show up? Give them a reason. And if you don't do that, you won't see that traction. If you do, then you're going to be able to start building a community. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's a very interesting time because even, even back when you were doing video back in the early days of podcasting, Mm -hmm. um, live wasn't really that, um, that available. I mean, I know it was kind of early for, for YouTube. And so you really didn't have that, you know, it was really that live interaction was really only on audio. Um, so, well, I mean, so back then it was like YouTube didn't have live, Facebook didn't have live until 2017. Right. Exactly. Um, but where we were seeing live started back in 2007 was Ustream and Just oh, TV. Oh, right. That's true. Um, yeah. And I, I was streaming from the first phone that had it available, which was the N95, the Nokia N95 using the quick app QIK. It was like 
super horrible quality. But we were able to develop a community that would watch us on Ustream and Justin mm -hmm. and, and those early platforms um, that was able to have that community connection. And I remember, so here's a little like interesting tidbit. I, I learned where I learned how to communicate with my audience. I, um, one day I did not show up. Like I had a schedule mm -hmm. and this is really important for live or for any content that you're creating, less so on recorded video these days, but live is absolutely important for you to like communicate with your audience. I'm going to be live at this time. Well, I communicated that and then I had a regular time and I did not actually show up on time because I was busy or something. Mm. Life was happening. And I, an uh, audience member of your messaged me and was like, hey, like you said you were going to be live and you didn't show right. up. You didn't communicate. Like he was upset at me. Yeah. Turns out that was the magical Mr. Paul Dixon, who is our graphic designer on our show now. He's oh, been with me for forever. Interesting. Well, he but was a fan he, long ago then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He taught me the value of communication with your audience. And that's yeah. a really important piece of that. Yeah, I would agree. It's it, it's like I mean, it's it's almost like appointment viewing to some degree. I know yeah. that even NBC, the major network, had this like must see TV Thursday nights. You know, I know back <laughs> many many years ago, and in some ways that's that's kind of true about what's happening here. Is that you know it's like this show. I mean, I'm doing it every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, and and people can count on it being here. I know April is here. You know, um, every every week, and I I appreciate her so much for coming in and contributing so much, and 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 she has another question up here. Do you prefer pre-recording video? I think we've kind of covered that <laughs> one a little bit. Uh, pre-recorded video versus hosting live, and and, and why? And I th I think the number one reason for me is just the the energy, and I've been doing mm. live quite a bit actually. I have, I do yeah. another show live every Wednesday at three p.m. Eastern. Um, on the podcast industry I've been doing for 12 years. So yeah. it's, it's been something I've been doing for a long time. And I don't do any preparation for that show. I do much more <laughs> preparation for this show than I do for that show. Yeah. Uh, well, so anyway, but what's your... Say, yeah, oh, go ahead. You go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For, for me, <laughs> it depends on the intention of the video. If I'm looking to do something that's short and sweet, that's succinct and to the point, that's really packed with value that is search based, you know, content that I'm trying to get out on my YouTube channel mm -hmm. that will find me a new audience. I prefer pre-recorded. Mm -hmm. If I'm trying to build my community, really deepen that relationship with them or find a new audience through value oriented live streams, um, then that's also something that I prefer, right? So like I prefer it the format based on the value that I want to see happen um, right. with always, always, always the viewer in mind. What are they getting from the content? Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and you know, Rodney has a really interesting kind of observation too. And I think it's, it's, it's pretty indicative of the power of this is, is that, you know, when you do it live, it's, it's more likely to be natural. Like I, yeah. I create an outline for this show every mm -hmm. every week, but it seems like every single episode that I do this is that I I follow the end and the beginning outline, but I don't follow anything in the middle, right? Because it just becomes a it becomes a conversation, and, and you yeah. can't really 
you can't really outline that. I mean, you can <laughs> yeah. kind of have a little bit of focus, but it's almost like it's still helpful for me to have this, mm-hmm. but, but it seems like I, I never really use it. So it's, it's more like it's more important for me to be natural and be kind of spontaneous and reaction and listen to you. And I mean, I'm already juggling a lot of stuff with trying to keep up with the comments, but, mm-hmm. but to be able to just hold on to what's actually happening and what's, what you're saying and what you're communicating and, and to be able to add to that and extract yeah. more out of you, because I know that there's so much inside of you that you probably struggle to some degree to share um, with with your community because I know I do. Um, yeah, there's so, there's much, so much. So I yeah. recently went through an exercise <laughs> and wrote down everything I know, like all the different topics that I have experience at, and it was a long, long, long list. Yeah. And so I was what I was the exercise. The point of the exercise was just trying to like, how do I categorize this? How do I like help? people the way I can help people like because I have so much experience um, in various ways and formats and different you know types of streaming and different types of video and podcasting and all of that I was really to your point I was trying to like condense it down on paper so that I could see how I could best deliver that to the audience. And so, um, you know, I think that we are all that way, not just because I have 18 years of experience, regardless of what it is or how much experience you have, you have a ton of knowledge. And so we just always need to, you know, forward face that, that value that the audience is getting. And, you know, at times we're not going to say it all because not all of it's relevant at all times. Right. Yeah, and how important is um, kind of quality now? I know it's it, it's a very subjective kind of perspective mm. on this. I know this isn't addressing flash in the pans question, but um, I think over the last year or so since the pandemic started, I think there's been a lot more. I, actually, I was very amused, and you probably were too, at all the major media outlets trying to do <laughs> their content from home, right yeah. back in back in 2020 and 2021. Uh, how they they were all becoming podcasters, but they felt like they were very reluctant at it because they actually had to do <laughs> some of this stuff themselves instead of just show up in the studio and and and, yeah. and record. So this quality thing has become. I mean, I since then I built out my own studio. I got my own HD um, camcorder that I have here from Sony, and and it's not a webcam anymore. Mm-hmm. I kind of moved away from the webcam thing, and and I know that you. I mean. You, your background and your video and your lighting and everything that that is, is top notch. And, and that's, that's to be, be expected, I guess, with your, with your background, but how important is that stuff today? Do you think? So again, it depends on platform and, and what the audience is getting from you. Um, so I'll take this a couple of different directions if you don't mind. Um, Oh, please. One, Professional quality video delivers instant credibility. It so does. if if you're you know if you're actually trying to build an authoritative brand, um, and, which most of my audience are, then it really helps with that visual. You know, I have students who will show up on Zoom mm-hmm. with their pro quality setup and be able to throw you know emojis <laughs> and graphics and stuff on screen, and they. You know, I had one that signed a hundred thousand dollar contract right on the spot just because they looked professional and that person trusted them instantly. 
So that's one thing to consider is that instant credibility for authoritative. Um, for me, you know, I can have the fancy graphics and have the fancy stuff and also be incredibly authentic and, you know, just down to earth and just who I am at all times. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to get there for most people because the fancy stuff, you know, tends to kind of like overtake their personality. (laughs) And so you got to work at that, you know, having those work parallel instead of intertwined. But those two things are very, very important. And so when it comes to the more raw video and without the fancy cameras or the, you know, pro lights and all of that, Mm -hmm. um, it can really help you connect on a human level with your audience. And that's awesome really important. So I look at it as what do I need to share right now and what format is best for that? If I'm doing educational content, that's going to happen from my studio here. And as somebody said in the comments, I have nine different cameras that I can pull from and, you know, do the whole thing. And it's, it's fancy. And it, and it adds a level of, by the way, engagement to the audience. Visually mm-hmm. speaking, it keeps people's interest when I'm switching cameras and throwing graphics and all of that. So that's super helpful. Um, but if I'm going to do content where I'm really just trying to connect with the audience and be vulnerable and human, I'll either do that from a good cam- quality camera, but sitting on my couch or on my floor like I have done in the past, mm-hmm. or... I'll just pull out my phone, right? And I'll go vertical and I will just talk to the audience. So what kind of, what are you trying to deliver? What is best format for that? And what is the right platform for that as well? We tend to find that YouTube shorts, for instance, let's talk vertical raw video. YouTube shorts tend to be a little bit more higher quality and generally speaking than TikTok, Right. Um, and TikTok raw video, not professionally produced, works really, really well. Oh. But we're seeing more and more of the professional quality on TikTok. So yeah. it's kind of like balance, it's going to scale and balance each, it, itself out. Um, but again, I just go back to what is the intention of this content? What does the audience need? And how can I best deliver that? Yeah. I, yeah. I agree with that. It's, it's, and it's becoming rather complex, you know, and I think, you know, mm-hmm. flash in the pans comment here um, that it's um, while live, uh, I try very hard not to have dead air. Yeah. <laughs> um, and th- this was an issue w- with my many years on, on radio when I was on the XM Satellite Radio Network, too. Um, should you be concerned about a little bit of dead air now and then? I'm not I'm not as concerned about it as it is. Maybe I used to be. I used to be like. Mm. People are going to think something's wrong with me or something like that if I have a little <laughs> bit of dead air. But but it does. There, there's a little bit of context to that. So there needs to be maybe a contextual reason why you have some dead air. Yes. And that that ding, is ding, to, ding. <laughs> to to build some comprehension, I guess, on the part of your audience, and to build a little tension. So if you say something controversial, just shut the heck up, you know, for a second, and let them ingest that before yeah. you start flooding them with something else, right? Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. You know, I know Communication guys, 101. Yeah, talk radio right? guys have done that masterfully over the years is to say something, mm-hmm. you know, like a Rush Limbaugh or a Howard Stern, say something crazy, and then they, they just, just shut down for a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're throwing stuff constantly right. at people. But you're, you're right. It's it, um, intentional dead air 
can be really powerful. Yeah, it can be. But I guess really what Flash in the Pan's comment is really about if it's dead air because because they made some sort of production mistake or something. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a different issue. You know, whether whether we're talking, you know, audio podcasting, video podcasting, live right. streams, whatever, when a lot of people are so scared to make a mistake um, yeah. and, you know, have dead air or screw something up or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I always like to come back to what, what you're feeling and thinking and the way you're reacting to whatever happens. Mm-hmm. Um, that is what the audience is going to feel. So our emotions are directly connected to our audience's emotions because they're picking up on what we're putting down, right? right. And so if you think about it from that perspective, like, okay, so one time I I was swinging a lightsaber around in the studio and I have a... <laughs> That's a common thing I don't thing even know. Do. I mean, it's just... It's Gloria, like, I mean... Come on. All right. <laughs> like, why wouldn't I be? <laughs> And I cut off like one of my, I have lots of plans in my studio, in my house, which is, this is my living room. Welcome to my living room. And I accidentally like chopped one of my plans in half. Wow. So that lightsaber was, was effective at actually cutting something. It actually was. Wow. Okay. And, um, and there was dead air in that moment because I was like, it was like one of my favorite plans. And it was like, what did I just do? And so then, you know, as soon as I like realized what happened, I picked it up and I just made fun of myself because the audience is going to feel what we feel. My green screen fell down one time. I'm not using a green screen right now. I rarely do. I only use it very intentionally, yeah, right. but my green screen fell backwards and almost hit one of my plants again. And, you know, like, so whatever is happening, whatever mistake I make, if there's a feeling associated with it. If I'm feeling anxious about it, the audience is going to feel anxious. And what they feel determines whether they ever show back up again. What yeah. do you make your audience feel? Whatever kind of content you're creating. Yeah. If you can make them feel good, happy, or excited, whether that's positive, negative, whatever, right? Um, then they show back up if that's the feeling that they right. enjoy. Uh, and so then, you know, that's that's just a direct connection to be considering. Um, yeah. If I'm going to be anxious because I made a mistake, the audience is going to be anxious. If I'm going to make fun of myself and just laugh with it, the audience is going to do the same. Don't take yourself too seriously when it comes to <laughs> Yes, <this> exactly. <laughs> to some degree. and But it does take a little bit of time to get comfortable. Um, it does. With, mm-hmm. with being on camera and feeling like that you're, you're doing the right thing with your microphone. You know, I know it, it's, sure. it's a skill that takes time to develop. It's not, you know, and if you're doing video, audio is a completely different situation, really, to some degree than if you're it just is. doing audio. If you're just doing audio, I can pull this expensive professional microphone oh, and get yeah. right up on it and, <laughs> and sound great for those those audio listeners but the video listeners not not quite as 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 appealing right so that's yeah. the trade-off here right for sure so and and it says here i uh flash in the pan says i do not broadcast to podcast sites live Though with the new podcasting 2.0 RSS initiative that's being pushed in the industry right now, you will be able to potentially stream live to a really? podcast listening app at some point. Uh, if some newer listening apps, which are starting to develop, one's called Fountain, okay. um, have the ability, if the hosting platform has the ability to integrate a, a link 
potentially to a live stream, let's say off of YouTube or maybe nice. off of um, off of some other HLS kind of streaming um, yeah. platform tool that you might want to use to stream to that mobile app. So, you know, these convergences are happening in a variety of different ways, e- even on the technology side and the consumption side. Yeah. Um, and, awesome. and I think RSS is very concerned about its its long-term viability. And, mm-hmm. and you know, because a, 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 there is a lot of interest in converging, look what YouTube's doing. They're, mm-hmm. they're taking video podcasts and converging them with audio podcasts to some degree, though you know, there's two different things going on there, but, but, uh, you know, we, we didn't come here to talk entirely about what's going on at YouTube, but that's, that's a, a little bit of a confusing situation. I think a lot of people are confused about what's happening around this convergence. And that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this show to some degree yeah. is to help, help people understand that. And my background and your background is, is key to helping us understand this and trying to work through those issues. And what would you say the most, um, the most point of confusion is when it comes to podcasting and YouTube? Yeah, I think it's, it's just, it's kind of two levels. There's, there's the podcast industry just generally a, a lot of the early kind of platforms and stuff don't really have any connection to YouTube. So it's almost like they feel like, um, that the uh, YouTube somehow as has appropriated <laughs> um, the the name and the the, the medium of podcasting and, and hmm. integrated into their platform. Even though YouTube has been involved in uh, video podcast distribution for a long time, it's just yeah. that the industry thought of themselves as kind of this island that was open and not tied to a right. proprietary platform. Even though the truth of the matter is is Podcasting has been aligned with proprietary platforms since yeah. the very beginning. I mean, think of Apple. I mean, Apple yeah. is like the epitome of a proprietary platform. Right. But and it, every platform is trying to really right. like hold tight to their distribution of that. And so then you have all of these different pockets of distribution that make it really frustrating. So Yeah. And I think that they feel a little bit of threat from, yeah. from, from, from YouTube is That's that if, if YouTube gets involved in this, uh, then that's going to take the importance of a RSS open RSS distribution um, off the table, and everything winds up going proprietary. You know, like everybody has to upload to Spotify directly, and upload to Apple directly, upload to YouTube directly, and we've lost that that RSS syndication, right? The but don't you already have to? Yeah, and the truth is, is that the industry has been moving that direction for. Yeah for a long time. And, and I think that there's a lot of people on the podcast side that just want to hold on, you know, yeah. to, to that to the idea and the of, openness yeah. of RSS. And even though, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that it's under as much threat as they think it is. So, um, so, you know, it's been, this I agree way with you. Many yeah. Years. <laughs> it has, it has been that way for many years. It, it is, it was intended to be open as you say. Right. But, um, I, I never felt like it was just completely open and easy to, you know, distribute across right. the board from one, one right. feed. So I think that that's, um, I, th- I think that it's a natural inclination to be scared of YouTube adopting that. But I I think that if you, here's the reality of it. 
having been in this industry for 18 years, if you don't stay flexible and adaptive, yeah. you will die. So, you know, now is the time right. to embrace yeah. what is happening in the future. Um, and part of that is YouTube adapting, you know, podcasting in, in a different way, though. You know, like it's not totally the same. And um, you've, you've got to now make decisions on how much time do you have for managing the distribution and repurposing strategy uh, yeah. and where is your audience most likely to be if it's Spotify or if it's Apple or if it's YouTube um, or maybe it's a couple of those and you focus on those uh, but then you also you know have to think if you're gonna go on YouTube you have to think about that multi-format strategy and are you gonna keep it on the same channel are you going to have different channels because at the end of the day mm -hmm. Every audience wants something different from you. And if you can yeah. deliver the same content in various formats, um, sometimes that's not going to happen successfully on a single channel. Sometimes it's going to happen on multiple yeah. channels from you, podcast channel versus, you know, your VODs and lives or yeah. your shorts, right? So you've got to really think through that strategy. Yeah. And it all boils down, like I keep saying, to the audience's desires. Yeah, and it's it's sometimes hard to know what the audience wants er, early mm -hmm. on in that early process. On. Mm -hmm. And I like Robin's the intent of Robin's question here. Can you talk about live phone calls in streaming shows? So um, I tried to play play around with getting um, video comments coming into the show during the show a couple of weeks ago. And I'm, I'm still planning, I'm working with a platform called braid and it basically enables like the audience to um, click on a link. And I'm trying to figure out a way to get that to the audience um, where they can go in and record a 32nd question in video. Right. And then I could pull it into the show and share that on the screen and then talk about their question or something like that. So have that kind of video interaction yeah. as well. But this is really more live phone calls, um, yeah. which is another element that you know we could do, and I've done a lot of that mm -hmm. on live radio. So it's yeah, it's it's not an impossible thing. I mean, I mm -hmm. could do it with my mobile phone right here with my roadcaster. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the best. That's that. the kind of the easiest solution is the roadcaster doing right. that. Um, there might be something I explore doing at some point. Just yeah, you should just have fun with it. <laughs> I th I think that when it comes to that audio only format coming into a video format, you've got to think about the audience reaction to that. And maybe, hey, maybe that's a good use of some kind of AI, you know, to dub over that audio no. um, or, um, you know, having some kind of visualization. It really goes to the old days of that radio broadcast like you used to do with the audio callers. But again, we have now a video format that we have to think through with that. So it can be highly engaging. It can be highly um, risky yeah. to bring oh, in live callers or live people that you haven't vetted yet. Yeah, I did um, a couple of years ago when Clubhouse first started. Uh, yes. <laughs> I I merged Clubhouse <laughs> with my my live new media show that I did on Wednesday. So I, I was taking the audio from the new media show, pumping it out into Clubhouse, and then yeah. pumping the the questions and the audience from clubhouse into my live video show. <laughs> and <laughs> I've done that before. And uh -huh. it's also very, um, very distracting from a conversation. 
So they, yeah. just to kind of paint the picture here, like what we're doing here is that the comments that are coming in, I'm, I'm typically bringing in because they add context to the flow of the conversation that we're having. Right. Um, oftentimes what I found with the clubhouse stuff, bringing in audio into it is that people would come in with a different agenda and they would, they would just start talking about something completely different <laughs> yes. than what we were talking about. I felt myself, I, I, was, I was getting like pulled left to pulled right, pulled up and down and all that stuff. And I couldn't keep a consistent flow of yeah. conversation happening on the program. And, and I, I eventually dropped out of doing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, so Cameron says there, I think it's interesting you're saying that uh, sticking to a live stream schedule is critical to building an audience, in particular in a, an on-demand world. Mm. Um, I don't know that the on-demand world is any connection to it. I think it's just more um, what you're creating is almost like appointment uh, consumption um, yeah. that you're creating with your audience that uh, they, they know every Thursday at 7 p.m., you know, Rob's back doing the show talking about something and mm -hmm. I enjoyed when I was on last time. So I'll tune in this week. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's what's really going, going on there. Um, and, the benefit but, of live is that conversation. So right. then people need to have some kind of ability. Like on our website, I have a link to a Google calendar or an iCal that you can just add our yeah. schedule to your schedule so that it's easy for you to show up. Yeah. And, and why do people actually do that? Is it because they they like the host, or do you, do you think it's it's the combination of the host and the guest? So as we think about this, do we think that a lot of people are showing up here because that you're here, Callie, or not Callie? Why don't I Lori? <laughs> I had that in my head there for, for a second. And, um, and he, he does know my name. And just for reference, I used to go by the name yeah. Callie Lewis. <laughs> well, and we had it up on the screen earlier, and it's yeah, just like, yeah, totally. <laughs> got into my head but no it's totally right but that's your real name is what we're using now yes Gloria. exactly so mm -hmm. back then the cali was a stage name so yeah so i think that that's and that's also a, another fascinating point too and it's not necessarily in the context of what you why you were doing it but right but women need to be need to feel safe right and mm -hmm. when they do online content have you thought about that in the past so and I know some podcasters, some very popular women podcasters have been stalked um, by, by audiences in, mm -hmm. in the past. I've been around uh, a couple of women that were at a podcast conference that were concerned about yeah. their safety. And, and so do you ever have any, um, do you have any comments wow. about that? Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I've had, um, Unfortunately, many stalker experiences and mm -hmm. some, you know, very uh, uncomfortable, very dangerous situations that I've had to face. Yeah. Um, and so it is a part of being a woman online, uh, unfortunately. Just generally. And right. I'm not saying men don't. I, I also know that some men have dealt with very, you know, yeah. other kinds dangerous. of stalker situations right. and dangerous right. situations. So it happens it can happen to anyone. Um, and, but yes, like, I think that that's, so what I've learned over the years is boundaries of information. Right. <laughs> so, uh, right. you know, I don't, if I'm concerned about a particular location, I won't post on Twitter that I'm there until after I'm gone or right. Like, or 
don't share your city, don't share your address, obviously. You know, there are certain boundaries of information that I stay clear of now uh, that I've had to learn the hard way. And also just uh, boundaries with community themselves. So Mm -hmm. sometimes this relationship, I'm going to go deep here, so bear with me. Um, But sometimes the uh, community aspect and the conversation of, you know, host to community uh, can get blurred lines. And that's something that you kind of have to work through. And sometimes the audience can feel, if you're honest and transparent and just real and raw with your audience, like I have been always, um, that can lead to certain types of personalities feeling like they just know you and have a connection that isn't necessarily real. And so that, that's something that you have to gauge and understand and kind of move through and create your own boundaries. Um, And so, you know, there are certain things that I will or won't do when it comes to offline conversations with community members. But that's, I mean, that's a whole other topic, you know, in and of itself, but that, that is a reality. And it's not some, it's not a reality that should cause you to stop or to shy away from. It's just a matter of setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. And, and just knowing in advance where those, where those yeah. lines are for mm-hmm. you personally and where your comfort zone is. Yeah. I would think is is really important too, and and sometimes we have to make mistakes in order to know what those where those lines are, right? And I've made plenty of mistakes over the years, and I've had to you know reset and come backwards, and you know just you, you just have to figure it out. Um, right. And you know I'm always 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 happy to support anybody who's feeling like they have um, you know a security risk or issue um, yeah. of just like talking through that, but yeah. Yeah, I know it's an important uh, topic, especially for women to think yeah. about. At least, you know, at least be aware of, mm-hmm. right? And and kind of mentally think about that as you're doing content. And that's and always, the, always, always have moderators. <laughs> Very important, right? That's true too. So, Bruce has a comment. Uh, do you believe is the mm. what do you believe is the best way to monetize a podcast? And mm. this is a pretty big question really at the end of the day because there's lots of <laughs> options here but uh what's your kind of quick recommendation on on that uh loria from your experience so there the way i look at monetization is on platform versus off platform mm-hmm. right and so on platform doesn't doesn't matter whether you're talking apple youtube spotify facebook whatever The on-platform options are sponsorships, which are Mm -hmm. very popular with podcasters. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you have, you know, certain things like depending on the platform, they might have memberships or, um, you know, super chats on YouTube, for instance, that I use a lot, right? So you have on-platform options, which are really easy for the audience to engage with and to support you with, but it requires you to actually continually put content out in order to continue to make money. Off-platform monetization looks more like, um, you know, uh, if you're, if you have courses or a membership or uh, right. you know things that you kind of control more of and are more based on a 
business model of building that back-end business so that you can scale beyond the content itself. Um, and so I, I like to say you need both um, because yeah. that's the way. I, I, for 10 years, I was sponsorship only <laughs> and Patreon and you know member member supported content, uh, which was great, and I made a lot of money that way. But it was volatile and it yeah. was risky. And when I burnt out, blew up my two million followers at that time, and changed my name and all of yeah. that, um, yeah. you know, I all of that went away, mm. right? And so because I wasn't creating the same content on the same platform then, and so I've become really passionate about helping people understand that they also need that off-platform monetization model that gives them a little bit more control over the ups and downs of this world and have a long-term future. Yeah, I think it's, do you think that we're kind of moving away from advertising as, as a significant um, element in monetization? I know it's still important on YouTube, but mm -hmm. I just get a sense that in the podcasting space, it's, it's kind of in a little bit of a free fall right now. So. Yeah, I mean, I think I've heard so many people say, you know, oh, like my CPMs are way down and all of that, yeah. right? And it goes up and down. It this does. This is another, like, you guys, we got to be tenacious in this industry. We've got to stick it out for the long run. We've got to have um, a model of um, diversification so that we're not relying solely on CPMs and advertising, um, you know, because it right. is going to go up and down. Billboard advertising, um, you know, TV advertising, any form of advertising is going to fluctuate in terms of how much you can make per, right? Yep. And so that's um, something to just be aware of. And I would say it's not necessarily going to be the end all be all. This is not going to be the rates for all time, but something's going to have to change in the industry so that those rates then go back up. And, you know, that's going to just ebb and flow as everything does in life. Yep. So having a diversified monetization strategy yeah. will help. Multiple revenue streams is the, mm -hmm. is really the best approach. I mean, if you yeah. can have multiple income sources coming in from various projects or, I mean, advertising can be part of it. Sponsorship can be part of it. Um, brand endorsement, brand relationships, you know, yeah. selling product or service. Um, and even you can augment with some revenue around programmatic advertising, especially on the podcasting side. Um, yeah. So there is, this is kind of a very complicated media landscape. It's not as simple as it was when we first got started <laughs> no. in all this, was it? Yeah, you're absolutely There's right. so many <laughs> options now. So, so uh, Sunset Labs has a really quick question for you. I mean, of course, these really quick questions are like hour-long conversations. But yeah. <laughs> um, what's the best way to start a new video podcast? Well, I guess the first thing you have to figure out is, well, what do you consider to be a video podcast? <laughs> oh, right. Format, right? Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, we were we were talking about earlier um, the you know what is the definition of a podcast these right. days, um, and so you know I think that that boils down to format at the end of the day, um, and so yeah. what Rob was saying, you know what kind of format are you looking for? What is a podcast to you? Is it an interview show? Is it a single host um, delivering content? And is it story based? Is it listicle based? Is it 
conversation based. And so yep. understanding kind of what format and kind of content that you want to create is yep. probably the first step. Um, and then understanding, you know, the value that that provides yeah. and turning that into what is the audience going to get from this are, are the first things that you've got to do in any form of content, including video podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I especially like Cameron's question here. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on very long format live streams like this one? <laughs> is, oh, we can talk. <laughs> right, right. Is, is live uh, long duration programs, especially like this. I mean, I've got more questions in here that for us to go uh, and talk mm-hmm. about than really I typically have time for because we yeah. I usually only go like maybe an hour and 15 minutes max. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's considered long form content in the yeah, world today, it right? It's not short form content, but yet, you know, where do you draw the line? Right. Well, let's be honest. Every platform loves for you to keep the, their, your, the, your audience, their audience on their platform for right. as long as you can. So, right. exactly. you know, there's a benefit to that long form. You have to understand that it is as a live stream going to be very in and out. Uh, so not everybody is going to stay yeah. the entire time. Not everybody is going to show up at the top of the hour when you start. And so you have to also think through that in a live stream format of how am I going to capture people's attention who just show up 30 minutes in and make sure that they feel involved. Um, so there's a lot to think about from that perspective. It's not, you know, don't put that your pressure, so, so much pressure on yourself because to and stop the process. But um, in terms of long form, you know, an hour is long form. Um, again, depending on the type of value, audiences on a replay may not watch that long of a video on an on-demand basis. Um, but then there are people who kill at four hours, five hours, right? And six hours. So that's why it's such a hard conversation to have to <laughs> give somebody a clear picture. Of this. What kind yeah. of content are you creating? How, yeah. what does, what audience wants that content and how do you format that content? Right. And so like, again, coming back to audience, it's all about our decisions have to always be about audience. That's core at the end of the day of any kind of content. So if you're going to create live streams, that's one type of audience. Not everybody in the world watches live streams. And so then what else, what other kind of content can you create? Ton of people watch shorts, short form content, you know, under one minute. And then that's a different kind of audience. But those short form viewers may never watch a live stream. A live stream audience may never watch a short form video. But if you're like me, we're going to go TMI here. I love long form content, but I watch short form content on the toilet, right? Because I'm not going to watch a live stream on the toilet because I'm not there for that long, hopefully. (laughs) If we do, I need to go see a doctor. So there's, you know, the concept of what is the, what kind of audience are we talking about where are they watching? How are they consuming? And what what format are you going to deliver that in? Those are the questions that you have to answer. Yeah, yeah. I like this <laughs> Sorry comment. For the TMI. <laughs> I think it's Equin Voices in the UK. 
uh, talking about uh, the, there's no right or wrong on this one on on, on the duration side. I think is what yeah. um, he or she's referring to here. But <laughs> it's kind of like a good pair of shoes, right? So you're you're you're, you're it, this is a creative medium. I mean, you have yeah. to think about it like that, right? It's it, it's almost like a, I've been following the amount of live simultaneous viewers that the show has had because it displays it in the Streamyard interface here, mm-hmm. and I can. I can see that up and down fluctuation. It's going from thirty plus to forty plus to to thirty plus. If if it stays up in the upper part of that range, right? I think I'm doing good, and I just keep going, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but if it starts to dip off and we start losing people, it's like you know now's the time to pull the plug, right? Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this host, I mean, not the host. This guest is boring. Let's get her off ASAP, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> certainly you're. You're never boring, so <laughs> I think we all saw that that first video you made a long time ago. So Joanne, that's, that's certainly not a boring video. So, <laughs> so anyway, it's interesting. Um, but I should probably. Um, I still have a ton of questions here, and I thank everybody for jumping in and engaging yeah. and contributing you guys and are awesome. helping us have you know this deep conversation. I, I wish I had time to. <laughs> be here all night, which I have done two hour shows before. It's not unusual for me to do a two hour show, but it's just, um, um, I think we all need to move on with our evening, but, um, <laughs> and, and if we don't get to your question, by the way, yeah. hit me up on Twitter, um, send me a DM on Instagram. I am all about having that conversation. I'm happy to answer your questions if we're not able to, you know, get through all of them today. Yeah. That, that'd be awesome. And I, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm, I can just be reached at robgreenly at gmail.com if you have a question or just put it in the comment field and I'll, I'll, I'll see it anyway. Yeah. So, but, um, but I think what we should do next is do our, dra- our drawing, our giveaway. Yes. Oh, there's a giveaway. So it's always fun to give away some swag and, and I'm, I'm feeling a little jealous. You, you guys, here. I'm not even eligible for the giveaway. So <laughs> I'm feeling a little jealous of all you watching now. That's right. I, <laughs> I already got it all, so I'm all good. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, let's let's do that. Let's do a quick change here to pull up the the drawing. And so, if you haven't put into the comment field of your chosen live stream consumption platform, please put in hashtag the yard. I think we're up to like forty um, entries right now, Ooh, so nice. it'd be great to to have your entry in there as well. So let's, um, I'm going to convert that over to, uh, I think I can put it up on the screen now, add the stage and we can just pull the drawing cord here and, and hopefully we can come up with a winner and (laughs) what's really important here to think about is, uh, after your, your name or your ID comes up here, to send me an email with your address and any comments that, that, that you want to give me at that point too. And I will forward your address to StreamYard and they will get you out your uh, mug and your, uh, your hoodie, which is what, what I'm wearing. So th- this is basically the hoodie that you'll get. Uh, so just tell us like your, your size and we'll send it out to you. So let's go ahead and pull the ripcord here and uh, see who wins. 
doing my best drum roll and I'd have no <laughs> no ability to do a good drum roll. <laughs> I tried. Yeah. yeah, you did. Thank you so much. Windows XP, Windows the XP. animator, is our winner tonight. So awesome. <laughs> Terrific. Yeah, and 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 thank you for your um, your great questions tonight too. I, I saw you pop up many times. Yeah. Congratulations. I'm gonna take take a picture of that so I know who that is, but I don't know who you are, so you need to send me an email. Rob.greenly <laughs> at gmail.com and um, I will get you out your your swag. So Come back and join me uh, next week on this show, too. So I believe I'm going to have a show next week. So uh, let's um, do that. And, um, uh, Loria, what's the best place for people to go to follow your your stream? I know that you're doing a live um, show yourself. Yeah, every Friday so, I'm live, 10 a.m. Pacific, right. uh, youtube.com slash live streaming pros. So tomorrow morning I'll be live, so come join me, hang out. Uh, I'm going to be talking tomorrow about Instagram live producer. So now you can go from, you know, uh, software to Instagram. Um, so, uh, yeah, but I answer questions. If you're interested in learning what tech and gear to buy so that you have professional-looking video, that link is in the description. It's livestreamingpros.com slash gear. Um, simple, easy shopping list for you, ready to go. You don't need to make any decisions about the gear. We've got it covered for you. So um, yeah, I would love to just hang out with you, get to know you all. And I really, really appreciate Rob, you uh, inviting me and um, allowing me to just geek out with you about all of this stuff. And I really appreciate each and every one of you for commenting so much and asking such great questions. I know we didn't have a chance to get to them all and I apologize no, for that. No, we didn't. <laughs> No, we didn't. But, uh, that's actually something I feel bad about. I would. I don't know if I should actually stay here for two hours, but I'm also imposing <laughs> on your your life too. So, so anyway, well, well, thank everybody for yes for for joining me here, and I I appreciate it. And and go check out uh, uh, Loria's website, and I, I will display it up here again. And um, if you want to engage with her, I know that she has some some terrific um, um, things up there too. I, I was going to show you, They she also has a list of her studio equipment that I saw up there too, which I thought was really interesting. I don't um, even think we could fit everything on there, but yeah. Yeah, well. <laughs> I have a little sure bit of all gear. the cords and cables probably aren't um, on, on that list, but, but <laughs> yeah. this kind of gives you a little bit of idea of, of, of the kind of gear that, you know, that she uses to do the, the live stuff that she does, you know, and she's got, I've got a teleprompter here too. Oh, yeah. um, oh I just got, oh, go, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I'm, I was just going to say that there's like three or four different teleprompters. There's ones that are easy to use and there's ones that are yes. probably hard to use. I've got an 18 inch one here mm. um, that I haven't fully got it set up yet but uh, i just got well when elgato released their elgato prompter i now have that in my studio so now i have three prompters which is way more than anybody needs um but i did a i'm doing a whole right um here right oh yeah we did add it nice yes that's that that's that that one it's starting to ship um and uh, it's a really easy one to use. So if you're looking for a good prompter, um, we have that link right there. Um, and it's, I have a whole playlist on my YouTube channel 
about getting the most from the Elgato prompter, the pros, the cons, all of that. So um, if you go to livestreampros.com slash setup, I think is that page that you were showing right there and that the yeah. link is right there. Correct, right. And the advantage of a teleprompter is, is that you can actually look at the camera versus mm -hmm. looking down or over and stuff like that, which is important to do. Um, yeah, and you don't have to just have a script, right? Like I have you right here on my prompter right now so that I can look you in the eye as we're talking right. and I'm not, you know, right. awkwardly looking way over here and people are wondering where the yeah. who I'm who well, am I talking to. <laughs> and it's a challenge a little bit with um with doing a live show because you're yeah. you're trying to navigate comments and you're trying to throttle back and forth between views and things like that. Yeah. So it's it it can be a little bit of a challenge too. For sure. To um to actually juggle all this stuff, but I've I've definitely enjoyed a teleprompter in the past because it, it definitely keeps your your, your focus. So yeah. anyway, I think we've kind of went a little long here. So, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> and thanks, thank you, everybody. for having me. And yeah. you guys are awesome. Thank you so much, and uh, thanks, I appreciate it. And we will jump out of here now and cut off the the stream, but definitely come back and check out the show next Thursday. And I've got another terrific guest that's coming in the door. Uh, and I believe it's Mr. Dave Jackson, who's nice. also You're another hall of fame podcast. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. Right. So, so anyway, we'll have a terrific night, Loria. And I appreciate it all. Uh, you, you being here and being such a good sport and, uh, kind of, doing what it takes to get this live show going. So thank you so Love much. Okay. Thank you. Bye everybody. Bye, and thank you for everybody. watching. Happy holidays.